Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. So we're, we're called to run a race. God has got a race laid out for us. God has, God has given us a purpose as a plan for our lives. Psalm 139, David wrote, King David wrote that we've been knit together in our mother's womb. I believe is at that, even at that very point, God already had a purpose and a plan for our lives. No one comes about by accident, whatever the, circum, whatever the natural circumstances of your birth, what led to you existing, whatever those circumstances may be, that there are no accidents. Everyone agree with that? Amen? There's no accidents in God. Everyone has a plan and a purpose um, for their lives. Amen? So, and we're encouraged to kind of throw those things off that can hold us back. So last week we talked about the principle of, of stretching and how in a natural race, then it's a good idea to stretch and, and to prepare yourself. If you're someone, uh, Olympic runner, like someone like Usain Bolt, who's now retired, um, of course, but still holds the 100 and 200 meters records. And, you know, he didn't just like turn up one day and think, Do you know what, I might just see what, how I get on the Olympics. <laughs> he, he wouldn't have won a race, everyone agree, right? I'm sure he's got lots of natural ability anyway, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't have won. There's a lot that goes into that uh, of diet and, uh, and training and, and preparation and looking after yourself and, and, and stretching and, and all, all those kind of things, being, being disciplined, etc., and running even when you don't want to and making yourself fitter and all that kind of stuff. So one of those, one of those things is stretching. So what we talked last week is about how God stretches us to prepare us for the race ahead. In a natural sense, what stretching does before you run, I'm a big runner, but I do run a couple of times a week, as Wendy will testify, um, on a treadmill. Anyway, but you do have to stretch. And, it, and the more you stretch, the fitter you become and it's less likely you are to have injuries. And I think, you know, these are lessons that we need to learn in our spiritual life is God wants to make us spiritually fitter and wants us to avoid spiritual injuries. Amen? Amen. But part of that is stretching. So some of God stretches us. And I talked about some examples from my own life last week. And we looked at David and Gideon uh, in particular about how God stretched them. We used purpose, used um, times when they were really, really stretched in different areas. But they learned a whole load of lessons from that. So God, God will stretch. So listen to last week's if you weren't here. I had to kind of catch up with it all. Yeah, but God will teach us lessons from stretching us. And maybe you're in a time in your life right now where, where you've been stretched. But God will teach you a whole load of stuff for that. Michelle just given that testimony. That, that's been a period of stretching. And I don't, I don't mean that God's brought all those horrible circumstances about. That isn't what I'm saying. But God will use anything, right? Anything that we're going through in order to stretch us to teach us about trusting him, what it means to find our, find our hope in him, to find our everything in him. Amen? So don't ever resent stretching. Maybe you're in a time of, of stretching right now, or you will be in the future, or you can think about times you have been in your past. Don't ever resent that. Because those times can feel horrible. They can feel rubbish. They're pants, like Michelle said. They, 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 they don't feel good. I'm not pretending that they, they feel good, because they don't, often. But they're, but they're great lessons that you learn in those, times, in those times of stretching. Amen? Remember, this is all about God preparing us to run our best race. So I want to look at um, Peter this morning. And look at the stretching that happened in Peter's life, and then just to kind of bring it round to us at the end. I, I love Peter. He's he's a he's a he's a, he's a great guy, in, a very interesting guy. Um, out of all the out of all the disciples, there's a lot more said about some of the disciples than others. Some are barely even mentioned, barely ever mentioned. So someone like Nathaniel or someone I think he's mentioned once and never again. Have you got Peter, James, and John who were the closest to Jesus? Obviously mentioned quite a lot, and Peter probably mentioned mentioned the most. And Peter was an interesting guy. He was kind of a, a simple fisherman, um, kind of very much wore his heart on his sleeve. Then he kind of said the first thing that came into his head, which got him into trouble <laughs> several times, in trouble, trouble with Jesus several times, because he was just kind of, he just had no filter. 
at all, whatever was in his head. Anyone, anyone learned that lesson in life as a Christian? You have to have a filter. Anyone learned this? <laughs> the filter of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> anyone learned that lesson? Oh, Chris is still learning this. No, but you do have to. Have, I'm serious. Genuinely, you have to have a filter of the Holy. It's a filter of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit. If the one of the part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, isn't it? you have to have a filter. If you, if in life you go through life, and this is true in a job scenario, family, marriage, whatever. If you just say the first thing that comes into your head or everything you always want to say, you're going to have massive problems. Everyone agree, <laughs> right? Sometimes you just have to filter it out, right? and you need God's help or the help of the Holy Spirit in order to do that. But the problem with Peter is he just had no filter. And, and I gradually learned that over time. But anyway, so we want to look at three different things with Peter and how he was, how he was stretched. And the first one is from the... So we're going to read a few verses this morning. first one's from the miraculous catch of fish. This is recorded in Luke 5, verses 1 to 11. It says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people around him and listening... Sorry, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonged to Simon, which of course is Peter. That was his original name. Jesus renames him Peter. The one belonged to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they both, sorry, so, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For all his, he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, who were also fishermen, they were Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So this was, a, this was an example of where Peter was stretched and massively stretched. Now, this must have been an interesting thing, especially with Peter with his kind of like no filter and the way, way he lived, uh, the way he lived his life. There's Peter, like experienced, really experienced fishermen, James and John, experienced fishermen. And then there's this guy, Jesus, so they didn't really have a revelation yet of who Jesus was um, fully as a Messiah. You know, it could easily be going through Peter's head. And in fact, it probably was like, who in this world did this guy think he is? <laughs> we've been fishing all night. We know, we know what we're doing. We've been, you've done this late close at times. We know where the fish, where fish go and we, we know where the best places to catch them. And then there's this guy on the beach telling us where we should put, which, where we should put our net. Now, although they didn't have a full revelation at that point, thankfully they were obedient. Um, and there's a big lesson in that. And the big lesson in that is God knows what he's doing. Amen. I want to learn that in life. God knows what he's doing. Even if we don't understand or fully understand, God, God knows. He, he's in control. He knows what he's talking about. It was a big lesson of trust for Peter. And, and he learned that very quickly. He said, because you said it, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. So he, I'm sure his initial reaction was like, who does this guy think he is? But then he, he kind of had a change of heart very quickly, which Peter also was good at, although he had his issues <laughs> with no filter. He was very good at kind of getting in the right place uh, quickly. But he said, but because you've told me to do it, that's what I'm going to do. It. So that was a big lesson of obedience and lesson for trust for Peter, about that he could trust, he could trust Jesus. He could trust God with, with his life. And, you know, and that's true for us. Amen? That we, we can trust God. When we go through times of stretching and times that feel difficult and, and painful and, and, and awkward and confusing, then we can trust God. Amen? And I learned that lesson. And it, it, can be an on, it can be an ongoing lesson. 
to learn what it is to trust God. That's ultimately what faith is, amen, is trusting God. That he is who he says who he is and he can do what he says he can do. That's, that's ultimately what faith is. We're, 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 the, we're at the end of ourselves. There's nothing else we can hope in. There's nothing else we can, you know, uh, there's nothing else we can rely on other than God himself. That's ultimately what faith is and, underst- and understanding that. So it was a great lesson, Peter, early on kind of in Jesus' ministry about how to trust him. Amen? Remember, this is all about stretching to prepare him for the race ahead. And Peter goes on to do some great, some great things. We have to, we're going to rattle through these quick because time, time is flying this morning. So that's kind of one, the miraculous catch of fish. And secondly, I want to look at Peter's kind of revelation of who Jesus was. This is in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So it was almost, I said this before, but I'll say it again, it's almost like, in a, but in a modern context, almost like they just Googled who is Jesus. And this is basically what had come up. I did Google once who is Jesus. It is interesting what, what does come up. Because <laughs> it's all kind of like, uh, like a million different opinions about who Jesus is. But in this context, this is what people were saying at the time. Others were saying it was like Elijah had come back from the dead. Some say it was John, John the Baptist. And some others were saying it was Jeremiah, uh, Jesus was Jeremiah, one of the prophets had kind of like come back, come back from the dead. So basically they're all a bit clueless about who Jesus actually was. But then Jesus goes on then to the disciples. But what about you guys? Who do you actually say that I am? And Simon, Simon Peter answers, but you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is, this is a time of stretching. This is a test for Peter here. But who do you say I am, Peter? Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Peter means rock, the word, Greek word petros, which we, in English is Peter. But so you are you're petros. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Not that he didn't want people to know, but he didn't want people to know at that stage. Um, because obviously there's a whole plan of his three years of ministry leading up to the crucifixion. So there's a great lesson here in Peter. Peter was being stretched here. Jesus was, was kind of testing him. He said, well, what about you, Peter? This is what all these other people say. But what about you? And this was a great lesson of revelation for him. This was a great lesson of, of stepping up for Peter. Because Jesus just asked his disciples generally, but it was Peter who stepped, who stepped up. And we'll come on to another example again where Peter steps up. So that was a great lesson um, in that scenario. And, and I believe God wants to teach us those lessons. So again, if you're going through a time of stretching... I'll ask God for revelation. Revelation, God, God, what's going on here? What are you wanting to teach me here? What are you want? What are you wanting to do here? And let's step up into all that God has for us. Let's not let's not ever shrink shrink back. Even when God may ask us some difficult questions, let's step into all that He has for us. These are great lessons of peace, and I believe great lessons for us. Remember, never resent a time of stretching. It's all about God preparing you for what He wants you to do. Amen. Okay, number three. Peter walks on the water. Well, Jesus walks in the water first. Matthew 14, verse 22 to 33 says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, which is what Jesus regularly did. Late that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him, Walking on the lake, they were terrified. I mean, 
fair play. I mean, we'd probably all be the same. <laughs> this is not normal, right? Um, it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to him, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. This is where Peter, I believe, has learned a lesson about stepping up, because again, it's him that steps up, because any of them could have done what Peter did. So Jesus said, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Peter, Peter pipes up. I do think he did have a bit of an ego issue as well, which is also part, part of the thing. I've always wanted to look good in front of the others. But he was, he was learning a lesson, stepping up. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called to him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So, in this context, again, Peter learned a whole load of lessons. So, it was a real time, this is a time of stretching, right? <laughs> Jesus is out on the water, they're going through, going through a storm. Remember, these are experienced fishermen, they know what happens if a, if a boat's in a storm. You haven't got the, no one's going to send out lifeboats like we'd have the RNLI to come and help rescue us, or send out the Coast Guard sending out helicopters. You know, if your boat went down, there's only going to be one result, right? That's the reality of, of what, what you'd be living with um, in that day and age. If your boat went down, it's not going to end well. You know, so, so no wonder why they were kind of afraid anyway. And then, they get Jesus, then Jesus appears like, like some kind of like ghostly apparition in their heads. Like, what's, what's going on here? Um, but then Peter, Peter is obedient and walks out in the water. But then he starts to look at the wind and the waves. And, and of course, fear comes into his heart. So, but again, he was le- learning a whole lot of things about lessons of obedience. Again, about lessons of faith. About lessons of, of trust in God. Je- Jesus is quite harsh with him, I would say. But, but needed to be. He said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? It's, it's, it's a question to, to, to ask him, uh, again, to stretch him. Peter, why did you doubt? Did, did you not trust me? That's what Jesus is asking him. Did you not trust me in this situation? Did you, not, did you really think I was going to let you, I was going to just be here and let you drown? Of course I'm not going to let you drown. So it's a big lesson of obedience and a lesson of faith. So again, when we're being, being stretched, and maybe it feels like in your life right now, you're in a situation where there's the wind and the waves and you're being buffeted by... Uh, by stuff and you feel like maybe in a spiritual sense not in a natural sense but in a spiritual sense you're gonna you maybe you feel like you're drowning and just kind of just the weight of everything that's going on in your world is it's just kind of drowning you in stuff trust trust god in it all amen it's a great lesson you can learn through that the lessons of obedience which peter learned to go out towards jesus but also just a lesson of faith just to trust him through through the storm and and every situation you know, and, and I believe that all these things, and there could have been there could, loads of examples I could have used for Peter, just pick, pick three well-known ones. But they led to great things in Peter's life. Peter ended up being a great guy in, in, in the New Testament. Started off, as I said, as a simple fisherman. And you read throughout the book of Acts and the great stuff he does through Acts and his great uh, discourse at the day of Pentecost and recorded in Acts 3. Um, and, and is a very significant leader in, in the early church. And, of course, he writes 1 Peter and 2 Peter as well. Um, just, in, just encouraging, encouraging others. But God stretching Peter was the foundation of him running his best race for God. And these, these different examples that were used here, it was all about preparation time. So in your life right now, God, God is preparing you. So don't, don't resent what you're going through. Like I said, I'm not saying God brought, brings around horrible situations, especially not sickness and stuff. But what I am saying is God will use those situations to teach you about trusting him, to teach you about obedience, to teach you about, about stepping up, having a revelation of who God is. Amen. What it is to actually trust him in each and every day of our lives. Amen. And God is just moving on, moving on from Peter. You know, Jesus himself was stretched over and over 
again. To prepare him for his best race. His best race is his three years, three years of ministry. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? That everything that, that's written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John just happened in a period of three years. And tons of it's not written down. You know, if you added up kind of what's written in the four Gospels, it probably only would add up to about maybe two or three weeks. You know, and there was like 150 weeks Jesus had of ministry. I mean, most of actually what Jesus did, we actually don't, we don't, there's lots of stuff we don't know about. As he says at the end of, I don't, can't remember which book, is at the end, it might be the end of John. Not sure. One of the Gospels, it says about if everything was written down, it would like fill all the books in the world. Um, everything written down that Jesus ever did. So we actually only kind of have snippets. Obviously, we have all the crucial stuff that God wanted us to know, obviously, especially with the, the, you know, the cross and the resurrection and all the great stuff that Jesus taught. Okay? We have everything that God wanted us to know, but there's a lot of stuff we actually we aren't aware of everything that he taught because it just wasn't written down. Okay? So Jesus was using that. So, so even Jesus had to be prepared for his time of ministry to run his best race. That's what we're going to talk about next Sunday, being Easter Sunday, about how Jesus ran his best race for us. But what I want to talk about this morning is just about how he was, how he was stretched. Like, like Peter, and we've got these three examples, how even Jesus himself was stretched. And a great example of that is when Jesus was led into the wilderness before he started his three years of ministry. You know, that was a time of stretching. That was a time of Jesus being, going through some difficult circumstances to be stretched for preparation. So it's Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <laughs> Fair play. I don't know about you. I'll be pretty hungry after 40 days of not eating. I think four days would be a, would be a push. The tempt, don't pretend like it's just me. <laughs> you wouldn't be hungry after four days. <laughs> Four hours, yeah, four, four hours, yeah. Especially if you're a bloke, yeah, four hours. I've said to Jack, because Jack was complaining about always being hungry, because he eats at a house and home, as boys do. I said, look, Jack, you just got to have to get used to this. Welcome to manhood. I said, you're, <laughs> said, you're going to live your entire life. You're either going to be hungry or very hungry. I said, and that's basically it. There are no other, there's no in-betweens. You'll either be hungry or very hungry, and you can't eat every time you feel hungry. Because, um, yeah, you'd end up like being 50 stone or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you can't always eat when you're hungry because as a man you'll just always be hungry anyway I'm not saying it's not true about women either but I just can't, don't know because <laughs> I'm a man but anyway there we go anyway I digress uh, so after 40 days and 40 nights Jesus was hungry the tempter came to him so that's the devil and said if you are the son of God tell these stones to become bread Jesus answered it is written man shall not live on bread alone but when, and every time Jesus said it's written these are quotes from the Old Testament of course Jesus answered it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this, this was Jesus being stretched and tested. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they lift you up in their hands so you will not strike a foot against a stone. Jesus answered, but it is also written, do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed off all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to me, said to me, <laughs> Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only, which is the first of the Ten Commandments, of course. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So even Jesus went through times of stretching. And, and there would be other examples, but that's kind of just the main one I wanted to share. Is It's all about preparing him for his race. He knew the race that he had ahead. Um, you know, there could be a bit of debate, and I don't think it's very clear um, necessarily what stage I, I, I wonder about these things these are kind of questions I have in my head sometimes um, you know what stage did Jesus realize who he actually was I don't, I don't know that's an interesting question um, by the age of 12 you know when his, when his parents kind of got that interesting story where his, where his parents uh, lose him 
um, when he's when he's 12. He said, "Didn't you not know I had to be in my father's house?" So clearly, by that stage, he's, he's he, he certainly had a revelation, or maybe Mary's just told him because obviously Mary knows, well, and Joseph knows, obviously. The, what, what the Gabriel had said originally, but what stage or age Jesus first became aware of what his destiny was isn't, isn't entirely clear because that's like the only part of his childhood ever mentioned after his birth is when he's 12. And then nothing's mentioned again until he's 30. So anyway, so he's age 30 at this point, but this is all about preparing him for this race. He knew, he knew what was laying ahead for him. He knew what, his, what the plan and purpose was for his life, but he had to go through a time of preparation. So if Jesus needs to go through a time of preparation, I think you all agree that we need to, right? Even Jesus, as a perfect son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, if he needs to go through a time of testing and preparation, then God will do that in, in us. So there are a whole load of lessons that, that Jesus learned in this, lessons of being obedient to his Father, lessons of trust in his Father, lessons of submission to his Father. There are big lessons he learned through those three testing experiences so that he could run his best race. They, they were key that time of stretching to him, him running that best race over the next three years. So if Jesus is going to be stretched, we're going to be stretched, right? No, it's kind of just to kind of start bringing this towards a close about how this all rele- how this is all relevant to us. So being being in the Christian life, it will involve times of stretching. It's kind of like uh, my first point to make. It will involve times of stretching. You know, when you when God asks us to do things, saying yes to God will involve times of stretching. Okay. Saying yes to God, and when God asks you to do something, saying, saying yes to God, sometimes it, things may be tricky. God will ask you to do things that you don't necessarily really want to do. We talked a lot a bit about this last week. I talked about lessons that, with my kids. About, sometimes, sorry, Jack, you've just got to hear all this stuff. And Elisa, where is she? Is? Where's Elisa? Oh, she's out. Yeah, she's out in kids' church. Um, lessons I taught my kids are sometimes when they don't want to do things. Um, when I've asked them to do stuff around the house, it's like, well, welcome to the Christian life. It's full of doing things you don't necessarily want to do, right? Everyone agree, right? I'm, I'm serious. Because, because we've, got, we've got our spirit, which is a spirit which is made perfect, which is made anew or a brand new creation. And then we've got our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. And the reason I talk about this a lot of pastors, I think this is key to, the, to living a victorious Christian life. It's basically who is the boss in your life? What, what is the boss in your life? Is it, is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it kind of you know, just your own mind, will, and emotions, your soul, which are, not, which are not sanctified? That's an ongoing, they're not brand new. That's kind of an ongoing process. And basically, who decides what you do in life? How, how do you make decisions in life? How do you decide what you watch on TV? Whether you, you know, how, how you are at work, what, how, you know, what your reputations, what your reputations like, and all those kind of massive things that are key in the Christian Christian life. What what defines your character? Because the reality is, our mind, our will, and emotions are fickle. They're they're all over the place, aren't they? All over the shop. Depends what side of the bed you got out in the morning. They're going to be all over the place. But if we're subject to us to the Holy Spirit that lives within us, then we'll we'll stay on an even keel. Amen. Living in living the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And that being outworked. And our lives, amen. So, so the reason I'm saying all that is saying yes to God will involve stretching. You know, but, but yes is such a powerful is such a powerful word. Saying saying yes to God. In and myself and Wendy in, in our lives and the things that God's asked us to do, we've learned the power of saying yes. That yes, yes is incredibly scary sometimes, and it genuinely is. But but you just you know you can't be saying yes to God. It's times of stretching are, are scary and, and, and uncomfortable and you kind of think, well, God, I don't think I can do that. Well, that, that's all right. God wasn't asking you whether you thought you could do it, right? That wasn't even the, that wasn't even the question, right? It's like when Peter walked out on the water. But saying yes to God is, is, is so powerful. Amen? You know, and, and the things that myself and Wendy, we've said yes, yes to God in, um, you know, the reality is we could have said no. We could. Right? We have, we have, everyone agree? We have, we have free will. 
Now, there, there could be consequences, uh, consequences to it, and it could be that we've gone off the path, the, the perfect path that God has for us, but could we have said no? Well, yes. No, that sounds like a contradiction. Yes, we could have said no. That's the reality. You know, I think about different things we've been stretched in. I know time's going quick, but I just wanted to kind of share these things with you because this, like, this is not all about myself and Wendy this morning, but I just want to give you things that you can connect with and, and relate, relate to. You know, in, in 1997, myself and Wendy, we became youth pastors of the church we went to. At the time, we, weren't, we were together there, but not even, not even engaged then, were we? Mid-97s, he's got, no, he's got no idea. I remember dates better than Wendy does. Anyway, <laughs> we got engaged in December 97, just before Christmas. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so we were, this was like mid, just like June 97. Um, so we were together, but not engaged then. So we became youth pastors. It was a challenge. It was not something we'd done, done before. Cara was, part of, Cara was part of that youth group. Um, as was J.C. Dye, who's not here this morning, but she, uh, J.C. James, or not J.C. Dye, J.C. James is not here this morning. She was part of that youth group as well. Anyway, and we did that for five years. So that was one thing we said, yes, didn't we know what we're doing? But it was like, God, if you were asking us to do it, we were asked by the pastors past at the time of that church to do it. It was like, well, God, if you were asking us to do it, then we're going to say yes. Then, then after that, we became the hosting team leaders. Didn't really know what we were doing. We'd never done it before. The church was going through a massive, this is pre-family church, the church we were at at the time was going through a huge cultural change in a good way. Um, to kind of change the whole culture, and we became the hosting team leaders. It was called stewarding, stewarding then. I think it was called it's a bit of an old-fashioned word. Isn't it? it's called stewarding leader then. So we, so we were running the hosting team. We did that for a few few years. I think we did that that faithfully. But like, we're just going to keep saying yes to God in that in that job in in that church. I ended up becoming the finance manager in a paid role. Um, and like God, do I know, I know what I'm doing? I don't know, but I think believe this is what you've asked me to do. Um, then I ended up becoming the business manager. Um, um, in that role, I oversaw all, kind of, all finance, all administration and operations side um, is what I oversaw. And myself and Wendy ended up becoming part of that senior, um, senior leadership team as well. So at that stage, we just thought, we're just going to keep saying yes, yes to God. Over and over again, we're just going to keep saying yes. So we're, all times are stretching. Did we always know what we're doing? Often we didn't. I'm just going to be honest with you. We, we often didn't. But it was like, God, if you're asking us to do it, then, then we're going to say yes. We're just going to just, just trust you in that. God, you're going to have to give us the ability... Uh, to do these things, but we're going to keep saying yes, yes to God. Kind of went through an interesting <laughs> period um, in, in that church. We had to make some real kind of, the pastors moved on and we ended up kind of leading that church for a short period of time. Some of you, were in, some of you will know the story because you were, <laughs> you were there <laughs> when it happened. This is 11 years ago. And we had to make some kind of very courageous decisions um, as the leaders of the church. We were kind of the leaders kind of left to sort things out, which was the reality. Um, and we had to make some very, very courageous and very difficult decisions um, at the time, but kind of where the church was. Um, Family Church Waterside then came about. This is March 2011. Um, didn't quite know what was going to happen, who was going to run it, who were going to be the pastors. Um, Andy Elms asked us to be the to be the pastors, which was really unexpected. Genuinely, was unexpected. It was not something we were pushing for or even necessarily expecting. Um, like, well, God, again, <laughs> if we go again, do we say, do we say yes? We could have said no. There would there would have been other pastors. Family church would have sent some other people in. There, there, there would have, absolutely. But we believed it was right to say yes, and we we said yes to God, and and kind of here we are. And then uh, five years ago, I became, became an elder in family church, which was another kind of big thing. So I'm kind of involved in all the whole church stuff that goes, goes on. That was another thing to say yes to. It's like, God, again, I don't really know what I'm doing, but this is what you asked me to do. Great stuff. So I'm not, I'm not, so church is not a career progression, okay? That's the first thing to say, okay? It really, it really isn't, okay? And it's not all about myself and Wendy this morning. But the reason I'm sharing that is just to say these, these are whole load of lessons we've learned. And at each lesson, we've just learned the lessons of, of the power of yes, saying yes to God and what you learn through that, that you don't necessarily have to know what you're doing. In fact, it, sometimes it's bad if you actually don't know what you're doing. I'm serious. 
Now, I, don't, I don't mean character and qualifications, those kind of things don't matter. But what I mean is because you just then just totally trust God. And, that, and that's a great place to be in. It's terrifying in the natural, but, but God can do great things through that. And, and the lessons from stretching at each stage of those different seven different things that I mentioned, they've, they've been absolutely invaluable to, to, to running our best race uh, for God. Amen? So this is kind of the challenge I want to leave you with. And just like Peter got out of the boat, and maybe God's asking you to get out of the boat on some stuff. Maybe there's some stuff that God wants you to step up in, in church. Maybe there's some teams you need to get involved in. Maybe leading some teams you need to get involved in. Is there, is there things that God's asking you to do, but you're basically, you're, you know, I'm not judging this morning, but because but, I, I don't know every conversation you have between you and God, but are there some things where God's asking you to say yes, but you're saying no? I'm serious. This is some stuff where God wants you to step out of the boat on, but it's just kind of fear of what that's going to look like. I don't really know what I'm doing. What, what, what's it going to mean? Maybe some good people in your world that God's wanting you to reach you know, with the gospel. And you kind of think, well, I don't even know where to start with that conversation. Fear is, fear is holding you back. I'd encourage you just to step out of the boat and to trust God in it all. Are you prepared to be stretched? Because stretching is where, is where we learn. Amen. If, if you're not involved in any teams in this, this is, this is why I've said all this message, is to get to this point about plugging teams, okay? But, but, it, is, but it is important. If, it's te- if you're not involved in any way in the church, there's loads of ways you can get involved. We, we will, trust me, we will find a way for <laughs> you to get involved, okay? But it, but it, but it means stepping up. It, mean, it means commitment. It means, it means going on a rotor. It means there's times when you're going you're gonna to need to be here. Um, and uh, time you're going to need to be here early. You're going to need to be here at 9 o'clock. Or early if you're on the worship team. Or set up. So there's commitment level to it, and there's a stretching in it, absolutely. But, it, but God wants us all to be involved. Amen? So what is, what is God asking you to do in your world? I just encourage you to step into all that God has for you. Because remember, every time of stretching is preparing you for the race ahead. God, God's not working in a short-term way, in the way that we so often think. You know, we're just thinking about next week or, or, or tomorrow, or maybe next month at a push. You know, but God doesn't look like God doesn't work in that way. Remember, God operates completely outside of time. He sees all our life from beginning to end all at once. He knows how things are going to pan out, every decision we're going to make. Um, so, so God sees, you know, the end of our lives and how everything's going to work out. So God knows what the next steps we need to make. So let's trust him in every step. Let's be, let's be yes people. Amen. And when myself and Wendy, if we come and ask you to do things, I'd encourage you to say yes. I don't mean go and get us a cup of tea. <laughs> I don't mean those sort of things. Although if you want to do that, you can. But I don't mean those sort of things. But if, we, if, we, <laughs> but if, if we're encouraging you to step up, I'd encourage you to say yes. Not, not because it's us. I mean because, because maybe it's something God wants you to step into. And, and, and will it be challenging? Will it be, will it be new? Well, well, probably. But, the, but you can learn great lessons of that through times of stretch. Remember, God does not want us to get spiritually injured. Amen. And God wants us to be spiritually fitter so we can run the best race possible, so we can run it as fast as possible, so it can be the most effective that, that God wants us to be. Amen. Let's all just stand this morning. I know time's gone, but we're just going to pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, you're so, so good. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you, for, Lord, for the lessons, Lord, we can learn from Scripture. Lord, the lessons we learned from Peter's life, Lord, the way he was a, a yes person, the way you, Lord, you stretched him, Lord God, but what that led to in the man of God he became. Lord, even you, even you Lord, in, in your incredible ministry, Lord, you had to go through a time of preparation and stretching first, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, for every single person, Lord, that's here this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will stretch them. Lord, if they're in a time of where they just feel really stretched at the moment, Lord, may they just know, Lord, Lord, you're, Lord that you're with them. 
Lord, may you just teach them lessons on obedience. Lord, may you teach them lessons on, on faith, Lord, of, of truly trusting you. Lord, through each and every circumstance. Lord, may you shape every single person here, Lord, to be the man and woman of God, Lord, that you created them to be and you desire them to be, Lord God. Use, Lord, times of stretching in their lives. Teach them, Lord, to, to trust you, Lord God. Lord, may we, Lord, be a whole, Lord, a whole church family, Lord, that are yes people, Lord, say, that say yes to you. Lord, we don't want to be people that shrink back. We don't want to be people that look back with regrets and think, oh, God, if only I'd made a different decision in that scenario, Lord. We don't want to live with regrets. Lord, God, when you're asking us to do something, Lord, we want to do it. Lord, and we want to live victoriously. Lord, we don't want to be subject to our, our mind, our will, and emotions. We don't want to be emotionally driven. We don't want to be all over the place. We don't want to be like James says when he talks about those who, those who uh, just kind of toss between, constantly between faith and doubt. Lord God, Lord, we want to trust you. Lord God, we want to set our faces like flint, as scripture says. Lord, we want to stay focused on that race ahead of us. Lord, Lord, and stretch us, use us, Lord God. Lord, make us, Lord, spiritually fitter, Lord, for the race that you have for us, Lord God. May we say yes to you at every stage. Lord, we may not know what's going to happen in the future, and we don't, we don't need to know. Lord, we just want to trust you, Lord, for what's next. Thank you, Lord God. You've got a whole race planned and mapped out, Lord. And we want to run that race, Lord, well for you. Lord, we want to be fit for you. Lord, we don't want to be spiritually injured because we haven't allowed you to do stretching in us. Lord God, we want to stay spiritually fit. Lord, use us for your purpose and your glory. Lord, whatever people need to get involved in and whatever you want them to do for you, I pray that be so clear in their lives, Lord, and people will be a yes people here. Thank you, Lord God. I just want to pray a second prayer. Just give an opportunity if there's anyone who's kind of gone off track or, or you've never invited God into your, into your life then you can do that this morning. You can know what it is to be a Christian. You can know what it is to be saved. You can know what it is to have that race marked out for you. And you can know the promise of eternal life when you leave this earth, as we all will at some stage. You can know the promise of being in heaven and, and the glory of God in that glorious place forever in his presence. And Jesus paid, paid a high price for you. He couldn't have paid a higher price. He, he gave his life for your life. That's what scripture says. He died so that you could have life. That was the Bible calls it a divine exchange took place. He gave his life. He went through death so that you could have life. You have spiritual life and life more abundantly. That's, that's his desire for your life. And all you've got to do is accept it and say, God, I want you in my life. Let's all just pray this together. But if that's you and you've never prayed a prayer like this this morning, I just encourage you to pray it with your heart. If you've gone off, we've been talking about running a race. If you've gone off maybe on a different track and you're not on the right track or you've just gone off completely off off path then get i just encourage you to get back on the right path this morning god's not going to judge you he's just waiting waiting for you with open arms let's all pray this together thank you jesus for dying across for me thank you that your death brings me life and life more abundantly i invite you now into my heart i want to live for you cleanse me and make me new I want to know the promise of eternal life. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, or you're getting things just in business with God this morning, then I just encourage you just to raise your hand and say, yeah, I've prayed that, Pastor Paul. Because we just love to come and chat and, and to pray with you afterwards. If anyone this morning, don't miss your opportunity. Thank you, Lord God. You're so good. God, you're amazing. You're an amazing, amazing God. Thank you for ministering to us this morning. For all that you've, all that you've, that we've learned so much about faith, about praise.
about trust this morning. Lord, may we be a yes people, oh God. Stretch us. Lord, we say, Lord, Lord, that you, Lord, we give you, Lord, the permission to stretch us, to do what you desire to do in us. Teach us what you want to teach us. Lord, may we grow into all that you desire for us to be. May we live subject to the, to the Holy Spirit and live in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Lord, change us. Change our characters. Lord, do whatever you desire to do. Lord, we, said you're, we say, Lord, you're welcome and you have permission to do what you desire to do. We want to run, Lord, the best, fastest, most effective race for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 God is good.